This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 515 for July 6th, 2016. Welcome back to the Macworld Podcast, folks. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and I hope those of you that celebrated either Canada Day or the American Independence Day had a great time eating poutine and hot dogs, and the rest of you, well, I'm sure you got a break too with us not nattering on because we were all taking a little time off and watching Justin Trudeau in a pride parade or uh, setting off fireworks and blowing off parts of her body. So that that was our weekend. And uh, but <laughs> some of us also had fun in other parts of the parts of the the country. Uh, joining me as is the usual case is Susie Oaks, the executive editor of Macworld. Hello, Susie. Hello. You had some time. Did you celebrate Canada Day? You don't have any Canadians in your No, I didn't. That. I had some cheese curds, but we were in Wisconsin. But that's an ingredient in poutine. Oh, that's true. I celebrated pictures of Justin Trudeau, who's a uh, very competent, <laughs> very competent, very handsome, very charming person. Who, He's dreamy. He just yeah, keeps absolutely. showing us up. And that other voice you hear is Caitlin McGarry, who's a staff writer at Macworld. Hello, Caitlin. Hi. Hello. I hear uh, New York City had an influx of Macworld and IDG staffers for a... Uh, Summit on uh, subjects that are, are un- of an undisclosed nature. <laughs> <laughs> it was thrilling. Yes. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Did New York, did, did it stay cool and were there excellent fireworks in New York? It was not cool, but there were amazing fireworks. So it evened out. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, it's we're, hit, we're hitting that point in the summer when everything is anticipation in the Apple world because... Apple doesn't really let you know when more stuff is coming. And we think there might be laptop. There seems to be some growing interest in laptop uh, maybe coming out next month. Uh, So we'll come back to that as we have more information. Um, I think we've talked plenty. I'm going to declare this a uh, headphone jack removal free podcast. What do you think? Yeah. 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 I can support that. I, (laughs) I understand why people talk about it, but I'm just like, I think we've covered it. Mm-hmm. It's like that negative knowledge thing. It's like we don't know anymore that we've already said it's time to stop. Uh, as of anything happening or 50-50, it's going to happen or it's not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then I, we'll go from there. It's like it's like the Juno probe going into orbit around Jupiter, which happened last night as we record this, and where you don't, didn't know for 48 minutes whether the insertion had worked correctly because it's so far away. The same thing, whatever's happened with the iPhone 7, it's already happened. Apple's already made those molds. It's already happening. We just don't know. We have to wait a few months for the word to come back, and we see what how that Schrodinger box, uh, Schrodinger's cat um, iPhone <laughs> waveform function collapsed, and then we'll find out. Some people know. Tim Cook knows. Tim Cook knows. Speaking of Tim Cook. Speaking of Tim (laughs) Cook. Yeah, I mean, we might lose him to uh, Hillary's cabinet if she's elected. And that's according to the New York Times. Uh, He's apparently on her list along with uh, Sheryl Sandberg at uh, Facebook. Uh, uh, Would you be sorry to see Tim move from private to uh, public sector? You know, could he go into the cabinet and be doing some good there? Um, you know, I think he's doing a really good job running Apple, and I think that's a really big job and one that has kind of a long-term vision. Um, being a cabinet member, you're sort of an endangered species, like from your first day on the job. So I, I guess he could step away and come back, but that would be kind of weird. He's a lot more pro-government than um, than Steve Jobs was, but I think that he can he can be a pretty powerful guy just as the CEO of Apple. I don't know yeah. if he like needs to be in the cabinet, but... You know, I don't know. I don't know him very well. <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't confide his plans to no, you. No, call me, Tim. Like, we can hang yeah. out. I, I do like the thing. There is this this motion of a uh, movement of trying to call people with expertise into government for stints. And so um, there's this terrific guy at Google. I met many years ago, and Google was a tiny company. This guy, Matt Cutts, who's still there. And he's, uh, I forget his exact title. He's kind of in charge of search way search works at Google. And I, I ran into him a year or so ago. Still seems like the same modest, like, I mean, he's probably worth a billion dollars, whatever, but seems like the same modest, low-key guy. And he's really interesting. And he is actually taking a leave from Google to go work at in the government, you know, at a, whatever reduction in pay that'll be. Um, because he, you know, there's this idea that people who become the best and brightest, the only path for them is, you, you know, you go into law, you go into business, you go into dot com. Your goal is to make a lot of money. And I do kind of like the idea that there's people like, no, I need to go in and help. Like, I should be one of the people who goes and, um, and helps government become more efficient and better and apply the lessons learned. So I think that's kind of cool. Government service has been denigrated, unfortunately, when it can be a great thing. Definitely. Not that we're planning to do it. 
<laughs> well, these guys already made their money. They can go back to the government. Um, there's an interesting part of government called 18F that is – I was just thinking of 18F. I was Googling it trying to see how we could fit it in. It's uh, 18F is really cool. Yeah, they've done a lot of really amazing work. It's kind of it's like a authorized skunk works inside the government, where uh, they've the uh, head of it has been given kind of a a budget and a direction to uh, create almost not an open source, but it's a group inside the government whose job is to figure out how to make everything digital work better. So every standard they develop is open source. Every approach they do is discussed, and then they help roll it out to departments. So the different agencies and groups don't have to invent it all themselves. They don't have to be siloed. It's kind of like a like an Uber IT group, um, but they've hired such. In, I know a number of people that work there. Like several of the most interesting people. I know on the internet have gone to work for 18F. And I'm like, that's kind of impressive that they are pulling in people who are super problem solvers. Um, and they're apparently given free reign to do stuff. So there we go. This is not an advertisement for government, I guess. We're not sponsored by the government. <laughs> it's just that. Uh, but speaking of the government, um, uh, you folks remember the uh, iCloud hacking case that came up when uh, folks like uh, Jennifer Lawrence and others had um, private photos revealed uh, well, that guy has finally pled guilty to uh, his crimes. Um, I don't know. I, it seems like that story was a long time ago, and it developed. It, it had a lot of repercussions because uh, at, le- at first it seemed like Apple had a major iCloud security problem, and then there were issues found in certain kinds of authentication they were doing. Um, in the end, it seems like this just turned out to be a brute force attack, or uh, sorry, a social engineering Fishing, attack, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, uh, this this says he sent um, he sent uh, uh, just like phishing emails. That, that that looked good enough to get to get people to to sign in to booby trap websites that stole login data. So just plain old everyday phishing. It's too bad. So J Law is just as credulous as your grandparents is the problem. I guess. I don't know. It's it's kind of sad. Well, it's also um, I think it's a feature of like how how uh, it's the default way you sign into things looks so ridiculous in some sites, including iCloud, that it's so easy to copy. Um, I even set, I set up a two-factor authentication, the new system that Apple introduced uh, last year and started rolling out. It finally, I couldn't get it to work, which is ironic given what I write about for the longest time. And then I finally got it set up. And now, you know, I was setting up a new iPad. I was setting up an old um, iPhone for testing. And I kind of I kind of love it because every time I log in, it gives me a pop-up. It says someone's trying to sign on all my devices. Say someone's trying to sign in from this location. It gives an approximate map of it. Then it gives you a code. You have to enter the code on the device and um, – it's you know it's some reassurance, but it's also uh, it's also effective. It kind of uh, keeps this sort of casual cracking from happening because you get that additional reminder. So this says that he faces a statutory max of five years. Do you guys think that's that's um, appropriate? Five years? I don't know. I mean. I mean, It'd be interesting was, if it was like five. He could be sentenced separately, like per victim or something. Yeah, I have mixed yeah. opinions about it because I feel yeah. like it's a it's a terrible crime. I'm trying to think of like what the equivalent would be, like breaking into people's homes, three hundred people's homes, stealing their photos, making copies, and distributing them. Like that's of course ridiculous, but uh, uh, it's tricky because prison's so awful. So you're like, you know, did this? There, there were victims. I mean, things, there were victims here. It caused you know obvious emotional harm to a number of people who did not want their private photos, whether they were photos themselves nude or otherwise, just anything private revealed, um, as opposed to like someone, you know, the Aaron Swartz case where um, uh, before he killed himself, you know, the car charges he was facing were decades in jail potentially for basically trying to distribute academic articles that were produced right. under government grants, you know, that were being charged for. It's like no real victim there, maybe a little economic damage, maybe, but this is like, no, these people are actually harmed. So maybe five years is the right amount. Yeah, maybe. I hate to, I hate to judge other people except people like this. <laughs> I think, well, I think like, well, as you bring up Aaron Schwartz, I think what's being stolen should definitely play some kind of factor. Like, I don't know if this is like, could be, you know, argued by some people as being like a sex crime and you would have to register as That's a sex right. offender. That's but, right. um, since you know it had that component to it, but but yeah, you know, I was just wondering. 
Yeah, it's uh, said there was another person who who pled guilty to pretty much the same thing, and he has yet to be sentenced too. But these are federal crimes too, so like five years is kind of five years, I think. I don't think they they shorten those. So it's, yeah, it's also we'll find I mean, out later. The issue is kind of deterrence too. Is like you want a penalty so severe, exactly. but I mean it's a real, it's a real person going to prison, so you have to think about that. But it's also you want the penalty so severe that somebody's like, ah, I guess they can find me, and I might go to jail. So even though I have no moral qualm, I don't really want to go, you know, be in the pokey. So in the big house, the calaboose, the stony yeah. lonesome. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to go there. <laughs> Sorry, I have a, especially not when you say it like that. <laughs> I have a lot of. There's a lot of synonyms for the the pen. Uh, we're going to talk. Oh, I forgot to mention also. We're going to talk about paper in just a few minutes. The uh, Facebook app that's gone away. I want to. I want to make sure and, and um, uh, tease that forward because that's one reason Caitlin's here. Is because it's pause and go get a box of tissues. Right. it's a sad story. Paper very, tissues. I'm very emotional about this issue. Uh, but before we get there, let's talk about a couple of music things because I think these are uh, these are areas that I am not a specialist in. I know you guys know a lot more about this than I do. Uh, there's the two things that came out uh, since our last taping. Uh, just and you know, usually companies try to hold information so they don't happen during. Either they try to hide it during holidays or they hold it till later but it leaked that um the one story was it leaked that apple may be in negotiations to purchase a uh, title service t-i-d-a-l it sounds that's what you say it sounds like t-i-t-l-e allowed but so uh, maybe trying to purchase title uh, and uh apple and spotify had this nasty uh back and forth fight um that's uh, still not resolved so i you know i don't follow the music streaming service situation that much Susie, i know you for one are a lot more involved in uh, in the vagaries here what's going on with um uh, title. I know it has like a set of exclusive songs, um, but they were kind of talking about going it alone indefinitely is what it seemed like. Yeah. So title is a pretty small music um, streaming service. It was a, it's owned by Jay-Z among others. And so it has a lot of exclusives. They had uh, the Kanye West album before anybody. Um, I think it's the only place you can stream um, Lemonade, which is the new Beyonce album, which is amazing. You can buy it on iTunes, but you can only stream it on Tidal, I believe. Right, Caitlin? Yeah, and they also have the entire Prince catalog, which is Oh, pretty, yeah, they have all the oh, Prince. Pretty wow. major. Yeah. So, yeah, their differentiation was um, that they w- had a better deal for artists and that I think they also have a high-quality tier. Like, they have a $10 just regular tier, like Spotify and Apple Music. But I think if you pay more, you can get maybe lossless streaming or something. So they kind of have that audiophile thing happening, too. Um, I haven't tried it. Is there a motto audiophiles for audiophiles? Because that would be a great <laughs> motto, right? <laughs> they oh, should sorry. run with that. I think yeah. that they need to, that, yeah, maybe when Apple takes it, because that's kind of like a, you know, the kind of dad joke that Apple loves. <laughs> well, isn't, isn't that the thing, though? They Because they use uncompressed audio, right? They use, uh, a fl- not flack, but something like it for, um, because they're part of that, like, uh, you can hear the defects and AAC, so we're pure kind of thing. Isn't that their deal? I or think no? so. Yeah, but I don't. Offered? I think well, the exclusives fee, is probably right? the bigger selling point at this point. I don't know like how many people care about the the quality thing, especially since you have to pay more. It's not just like oh, and we have better quality. It's like we have a better quality tier available if like that's a oh, thing right. that, you, that's that so, you like. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah. That's interesting because it's been. I mean, storage doesn't cost anything anymore, and streaming services even different right because then it's how much data are you streaming and people have you know or don't have the same right. kind of caps so it's so that could be deal. something apple would you know want to get into like they could you know as they bought beats like for you know the headphones and the streaming service um they could buy title for the exclusives and this high quality thing or just the exclusives or you know not at all we'll see um it's been growing like they've they've said that it's been growing i think it's still you know one of the the runner-ups, it's not, you know, near Spotify or Apple Music numbers right now, but, you know, it's, 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 it's been, it's sticking around and, and the exclusives are, are pretty cool. Yeah. It feels like that, that, um, they've assembled something that's more impressive than I think people thought at first, uh, mm-hmm. because it seemed like it was going to be a handful of artists and it seemed to be maybe a way that these artists wanted to preserve, uh, you know, in the face of all the the issues with streaming services not paying that much, well, here's a way to actually preserve some margins and money for these folks. But then, you know, who's going to subscribe to you? Know, there's another service. But then they've been justifying it with some of the the exclusive. They've made it make sense. I mean, there was the worry this would balkanize the way that um, streaming video is you know rapidly becoming. Susie, I'm sure you're aware of this. You saw in you know, the sidebar the fact that Netflix lost all these children's programs. 
Dude. Oh, we were trying to find Daniel Tiger this S- morning. I couldn't find it anywhere. Daniel Tiger's on Amazon Prime now. Yeah. So, yeah, we couldn't find it on the Apple TV. Oh, man. Do you have Amazon Prime? I'm assuming you do. Yes, yes, you're absolutely. Not so, for, you know, for a lot of people, we actually just canceled Netflix, and we've kept Amazon Prime for the shipping and other things. I think have. my Netflix is going up this month. It, Mine, too. Yes, Ugh. that's right. $2. And I was all like, that's a 25% increase. I am Alpal. <laughs> and then I like did the math and realized it's 24 bucks a year extra for yeah. something that I use every day, like multiple times a day. My, my son I... is all mm-hmm. up in the Netflix. I love the Netflix. Like we need it. We're paying the two bucks. It's fine. <laughs> even though we have Amazon Prime. And yeah, there's a lot, not even like straight overlap, but if Netflix just like folded tomorrow, I could just switch everything over to Amazon Prime and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I would just find different things to watch. So I don't know. I probably don't need it, but I've had it so long. I really like it. We discovered in my household that we actually had essentially stopped watching Netflix. I didn't realize it, uh, but we sort of looked at what we were watching. Like, all right, it's you know nine. But it was now going to be eleven. It was nine bucks before, or something like that. We were grandfathered into some price thing, so you know, price is about to go up. Or I can't remember if they were going to grandfather us because when we canceled, it told yeah, us new something people about people have been paying ten dollars for a while, oh, and it. they said that we like our time would come someday. And now those emails are going out. People are getting the notice that oh, okay. next month it's going to be more. I was confused when I canceled because it said you'd pay more, and I'm like, I thought I was going to pay more anyway if I restarted the subscription. But um, we found we're not using it. And, and like I just started watching Mr. Robot has been recommended to me for a long time. It, yes. was, it wasn't available for streaming. And suddenly Amazon Prime picked it up. And I'm like, all right, that's an Amazon Prime. We're past the age for that kids programming. But this balkanization, it's like you could wind up needing like five different streaming services to watch popular programs that a lot of people want, you know, plus the original programs that are only going to be available on certain services if you want to get them through streaming. And, you know, Tidal, Spotify, I mean, Tidal had exclusives, not all the services have exclusives, but Apple uh, has some exclusives on Apple Music or yeah, they, they have the, the Taylor Swift album, which is old now, so it's not really that big of a selling point. And It was a big deal a year ago when Apple Music yeah. launched. That they and were now the they have Adele, but everybody has Adele. She just kept it off streaming for like seven months. So they don't, they get some exclusives. Like they had the new Drake album before anybody else. Um, but I actually think they should buy title. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> it seems like the right, um, the right, uh, model because I feel like musicians were kind of angry at Apple and they came back, uh, you know, especially Taylor Swift was the notable one. Um, but whatever Apple did, I don't hear the same kind of anger about Apple music that still is, you know, running around uh, Pandora and Spotify. So I think that's good when musicians uh, like <laughs> what you're doing and they, they support it because they bring cool things to the service. It's not just say, yeah, here's my album. It's actually, it's to get some fan service because they're they're doing more. Um, well, let's move on to the Spotify story happening around the same time. This is a little complicated because, I, again, I don't follow Spotify that closely, but it seems to be, if I understand it right, a dispute about the terms of how in-app digital purchases are handled or not handled. What's the what's the crux of what's going on? Yeah, so um, if you sign up for uh, Spotify in the Spotify app on your phone, um, Spotify charges you – a 30% premium on top of the the regular monthly price, which is $9.99 because Apple takes that 30% cut from them. So it's like $12.99. Um, and then every month forever. Every month, yeah. So, but if you sign up on Spotify's website, it's $9.99 a month. So because you, you're not going through iTunes um, or the app store billing process. So, but the uh, rules say they're not allowed to like kind of tell people that or yeah, they send were, people they there by promoting default. It. Yeah. They were promoting it pretty heavily, like sending emails like, please sign up on Spotify.com. Don't subscribe in the app. And I mean, I get why they're doing it because Apple has this advantage with Apple Music because when you subscribe to Apple Music in the app, it's just $9.99 a month. And I don't think people realize there's some, there's some you know, politics there. Um, so they just assume that Spotify is more expensive, which, you know, a lot of people base their decisions on on pricing. So I, I get why Spotify is upset, um, but it just seems like a very strange situation at this point. It's weird that they would push the issue now, too, because with iOS 10, there's going to be this these new rules where if you sign someone up for a subscription in your app and they keep it for more than a year, that second year, Apple's cut 
uh, goes in half to 15%. So if Spotify kept charging you, you know, the dumb consumer, like 13 bucks a month, they'd be making like an extra buck 50 on <laughs> right. you. Because like, you know, the odds are that they're not going to just suddenly like be like, okay, now you only have to pay 12.50 because Apple isn't taking as much. Like, no, they'd probably just keep that. So it's weird that they're like making it a thing now when it's like, shh, just keep it going as they were. But I guess so they put up a thing in the app where the they were like, we've got, you know, a special deal for you or something. And the only thing you could do was like push a thing saying like, yeah, I'm interested. And it would and put in your email and it would send you this email kind of on the side. And Apple was like, you can't do that. That's against the rules. Well, I'm trying to remember if you can, uh, the Apple rules, I was just reviewing them after uh, the App Store review guidelines changed for iOS 10 um, because of the subscription options being available for all apps. And my recollection is I think you can talk about premium services that aren't available, but you can't explain how to get them unless it's an in-app digital purchase. So um, Spotify is allowed to let – I think any app can have services that you can't purchase in the app so someone can log in with an account they set up on the web and activate premium services. So the basic app – has to work and offer some functionality that's reasonable, but it doesn't have to sell all the um, bumps. And I think that's what's confusing. So, I mean, I know that's one of the things that's confusing. So Spotify d- wants you to go premium. It doesn't want to sell it, but it wants to sell. The premium service you can buy in the app though too, right? It's just trying to push you as a different option to buy it from the web. Or do they remove the in-app purchase entirely? They probably think that you removed just... it. They oh, just okay. re- they just removed it. Yeah, so that's oh. that's part of it. Like that's their protest against I see. Apple. So then yeah. that's yeah. So then Apple's saying so so Spotify got the support of uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren uh, has come out against uh, monopoly uh, powers of uh, Apple and a few other companies um, in certain realms, and it's hard to I don't know how you say that Apple has a monopoly. I mean, this is that argument about a monopoly for devices. Jeff Bezos said years ago something about Apple as a monopoly on software for its own devices. I think it was him. It was this funny thing saying like, because, uh, uh, I don't know, it was like the privileged position a company has when it doesn't own the entire market. There's a lot of diversity in smartphones still. And one could argue Android has the you know largest market share by far. Um, but this seems to come down to that. It's like, you know, the argument that Apple has a monopoly music is weird when it can only it's only selling to a subset of all iOS users, and iOS is not the market leader in smartphone sales, too. But it's kind of a bummer for developers to think like, you know, don't don't get too successful, or Apple could just like, you know, enter your market and then put up these barriers. So like like Siri can control Apple Music and now they're opening Siri to third party apps, but not every category and mm-hmm. only for music streaming, only only Apple Music. So, you know, Spotify and Pandora and all the other apps can't can't use Siri. And that's, you know, that's Apple can make whatever rules they want because Siri is their thing. But, you know, it's it's just kind of a yeah, if they if they want to take over like Apple Music is only a year old, but Apple can can, you know, kind of put it in the front of the line in ways that the third party developers can't do. Yeah, it's tricky. And then the, the Apple's response, uh, Bruce Sewell at Apple said, uh, well, you know, the current Spotify app is actually not in compliance either. The one that's available was <laughs> like, so it would be a shame if something happened to that app if it were to fall off the App Store <laughs> shelf. But uh, yeah, it is, it is weird. I mean, Apple has, I feel like it's become better and more expansive and less uh, arbitrary, but it's still, you know, it controls, it's the, it controls the, uh, everything that goes on there. And um, as it's tried to increase its revenue from service, uh, it's going to be. It seems to be very jealous now of stuff that could uh, cause problems with it uh, maximizing that revenue. I mean, to be fair, they haven't changed any rules. Like this is what's been happening for you know as long as the App Store has been around. Like they've always taken this cut, and that yeah. like, that's it. So um, they didn't change anything after they launched Apple Music, but now. Spotify is like, this is very unfair. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. yeah. Spotify definitely started it and they're like, you know, technically in the wrong for sure. I think cut, I think you're right too. They cut the legs out from under Spotify a bit with the new um, 85 uh, or the like 70% or 70% split going to 85% in year two. And Apple didn't reveal any numbers, but like Spotify is in a lot of customers who might be applied immediately qualify for second year subscriptions. Uh, and I mean, we've talked about this in previous uh, episodes since the um, 
the change in revenue split was announced or the second year change was announced. And I feel like people who pay for these services mm-hmm. kind of know that 10 bucks a month is the going rate. I like I wonder what the actual percentage is of Spotify users on iOS who pay for Spotify premium and are actually paying 13 bucks a month. Like, I don't know, like. I, you know, I'm in a different kind of community of people who are very tech savvy. So, but I would think that everyone sort of knows these are 10 bucks a month. And if you're paying 13 every month, like you would say, Hey, what's up with that? And maybe Google it and maybe <laughs> immediately find out that you could sign up online. I'm I'm not sure like how, like wh- how much of an issue it must be. It's something or they wouldn't, you know, be pushing the issue, but I would be so curious to know like what the actual split is of people paying this Apple tax. Yeah. And I've, uh, I've, talked about this before as well, but I'll just I'll reiterate an interesting point, which is uh, a lot of apps exist that sell in-app purchases uh, in the App Store, but they are really mostly a framework for the company offering a service that they sell off a website or some other means. And uh, you know, when I was running the magazine, which was a periodical with a monthly and yearly subscription, the magazine was a, is a was a very small publication. The amount of money we took in was very small, but we would show up in the top 10 best-selling uh periodical apps uh, and sometimes near the top of the list on a regular basis. And my conclusion from that is if I'm alongside the economists in the New York times or whatever, is that most people know it would cost more. They don't want to subscribe. This is a reader service app. They're using the app because they've subscribed in the website or they have a print subscription and they're able to uh, enable it in the website and then log in to the app and use it. And I kind of think Spotify is probably like that. Like people may download the app, but they know, you know, that's right. There's like a milieu that lets them know that they'd pay too much if they did the in-app purchase. So they search around and people are price sensitive too. People know there's deals. So even if you don't know that, you just go on and say, what's the cheapest way to get Spotify? And it says, sign up from the website and use this code and get a month free or whatever the, you know, offer might be, uh, instead of just blindly, you know, thumbprinting or, uh, entering your iTunes password. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see what develops there. Um, you know, it's uh, all I know is uh, if Amazon should be involved in some way so that Apple can pay a penalty for uh, whatever Amazon does. That's the uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what should happen here. Uh, so let's talk about paper. Um, I never used paper. It's a Facebook app that uh, combined the best of a couple different parts of um, of Facebook. Uh, Caitlin, I know you were an advocate. You actually went out there and like convinced people to uh, to use paper. And now a sad day is gone. What did you like about? paper so much compared to the other uh, apps and even the responsive uh, you know, Facebook website you could use on a mobile? So the paper app to start is just a beautifully designed app. It's like the exact opposite of the Facebook app. Um, so it combined your news feed um, with uh, different news sections. So you could pick like, I'm interested in politics, I'm interested in cooking, whatever. And then you could swipe through and read, you know, the day's top stories in whatever category that you picked. Um, so there were a couple of different components and I didn't actually use the news sections that much, but knowing they were there and I could flip through them if I was bored was really awesome. Um, and the, the the main newsfeed part was great because instead of seeing all of these like auto playing videos and ads and all of this garbage, it was just stories from my friends, photos, and uh, there were no ads. And probably the biggest selling point for a lot of people that I've heard since writing about this um, was that you could read and send uh, Facebook messages without installing the separate Messenger app, which everyone was super annoyed when when Facebook chose to, to push that out of the main app. So it had all of these great features going on. It was beautiful and it was so easy to use. Um, but it was, it was clear from the start that it was just an experiment. You know, obviously Facebook isn't gonna redesign its entire app and piss people off more than they already have. So it was really just for like a subset of, of people who knew about it and and cared enough about design and, and not seeing ads and sending messages in the app that they didn't want to use the main Facebook app anymore. So um, Facebook shut it down. Um, they said they would support it through the end of July, but for me and a bunch of other people, it's already done. You can't see any more uh, newsfeed stories in it. So I, I had to delete it. I'm really sad. I haven't deleted it yet. I almost did. So Caitlin got me into this app. Like she wrote about it. She was like, you got to get it. So I think I got it and I wasn't using it because it just looks so unlike Facebook. Like she called it the opposite. So true. It's 
nothing like Facebook. So I wouldn't think like, I'm going to look at my Facebook and go look at this thing. So <laughs> I actually had to go ahead, I, but I kept it around to use the messenger thing because I didn't want to use Facebook messenger. And then you keep hearing stories about Facebook being a battery hog and you know, all this. And, and I hated how every time it would have an update, it wouldn't tell me what was in the update. And then like something dumb had changed in the app and I was mad that I had updated it. So I deleted the Facebook app and just went all paper. Oh no. And I was so hooked. It was so great. So now I have no working Facebook app on my phone. And yeah, it went off while I was on vacation. So it was still sending me notifications like your husband tagged you in a picture. Everybody likes it. Yay. But I wasn't getting any new things in the newsfeed. And then I checked all my like little news sections she was talking about. Those were all like not receiving news stories. So yeah, it immediately died. And then I was like, okay, it's a vacation from my Facebook. But I have checked the mobile site a few times. I don't know. Like I don't want to put the app on my phone. I don't want Messenger and I don't want Facebook. But do they get how much data do they get from you when you're just using it in Safari? Do you know? I think they get all of the same stuff regardless. Like if you're logged in, they're they're getting they, like location. Yeah. And, don't you have to authorize location like per website? Um yes, but I think I think Facebook just like they know like when you check in to certain places, like if you ever if you ever do anything that's at all location based, like they've got you. Like that's it. Yeah. So I I feel like you know, not using Facebook because you don't want Facebook to know that much about you, you'd really have to like shut it down completely. Um, and you can always go into your settings and periodically take out all of the information they have on you. And this like advertising profile, um, that's in your settings, everybody scope it out. You can delete all of that stuff and, and they have to start from scratch, but they're going to keep accumulating information to put in that profile. Yeah. I go through and delete posts every like couple of months. I'll just delete really? everything. Yeah. I wish it worked more like Snapchat. Like the stuff I put on Facebook isn't meant for like posterity. It's just meant for like, look at this thing that just happened. Oh my God. The on this day or whatever, a look back feature that they show you every day. I'm <laughs> it's like such a nice like way to flag crap you should have deleted a long time I know. ago. I was like, wow, when I was posting eight years ago about garbage, I wish I had <laughs> never done that. <laughs> well, it cracks me up when I, when I uh, become friends with younger people who like they're eight years ago, they're on Facebook eight years ago and they were like 16 or something. I'm like, oh my God, it's so, like, I just, and I'm like, you know, I was at my prom. It's like, Jesus. And you're, that surfaces, you're like, but I know you as an adult, this is very disorienting. It's confusing. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had Facebook since I was 18. So it's, it's terrible. Yeah. You don't <laughs> want to see all, you know what I've got, I mean, I can imagine here's what you're doing 30 years ago, Facebook surfacing on me. That's going to happen at some point to yeah. all of us if we're not careful. It's um, terrifying. It is My time hop just found tweets from nine years ago. I was tweeting, oh like trying to decide if I should buy the original iPhone. Oh my God. I was like, oh, I don't need the cool iPhones. Do I? It's so expensive. <laughs> it's come up in your political campaign, it'll be uh, yeah. resuscitated and talked about. Uh, yeah, the idea of the longevity of this personal information, it just remains. I, I think that's where Snapchat is brilliant. Of course, there have been issues in the past about how they actually don't delete what they say they're doing in certain cases. I'm not sure how that's been fully resolved, but uh, the idea of having, you know, ephemeral stuff is so attractive. And I think it's, it's funny how it's an, there's an age divide there where you hear, I would say typically older people not understand Snapchat and younger people be like, Hey, I don't want this to last. And it's not that the older people, the older people may be already maybe more dubious about privacy, but they don't get that that's the advantage. That's something, I mean, there's other, there's, I've read some articles about how people are using, uh, you know, Snapchat will post like hundreds of things a day to people they know. And, and that's beyond my capabilities, but just the idea that you can send something and it's a matter for a moment and then, uh, and then it's gone forever. Why not? Yeah, you don't have to curate it as tightly. There's, like, less pressure. I mean, the kids, I guess, send each other, like, ugly selfies and, like, you know, funny things like that. And it's it, and plus, like, the volume that some of these, these, these kids can do the Snapchat so much. And they never stop. So it's kind of nice that it doesn't stick around or all their phones would be totally crammed. Yeah, it's just very low pressure. Like, you can't favorite anything. You can't comment on any photo. You can just see how many people saw it and that's it. It's just, I mean, people can chat with you privately, but it's, it's just so much less public. Um, even though you can broadcast your stuff publicly that I, I think that's, what's most appealing about it. I dig anyway, it. All right. RIP 
uh, R.I.P. Paper. paper. And, oh, and, so and paper was a, uh, if I remember, right, it was a project. Uh, it was kind of a test, right? That's the whole point. Is they were looking to see, and it didn't uh, obviously didn't meet the internal metrics for usage. But um, it's not impossible that we'll see something. Uh, some details uh, from it in other apps, although right now it didn't, right? There's some new f- features that were unique that didn't come over to anything else. Uh, and I guess the question is whether those wound up being you know, not popular enough to incorporate into the main app. The main app is kind of a piece of crud right now anyway, but. Facebook yeah. is so interested in like media and being a news source and trending topics and stuff. And paper like filled that role really well. So, so on one hand, I mean, uh, there was a rumor recently that they might bring like news sections that you could kind of subscribe to into the main app or the main um, timeline on the web. I can't remember. I think it was the mobile app. Um, they were talking about bringing that in. And, you know, we were like, oh, that sounds like paper, the thing no one's using. That's really awesome. Um, so, so yeah, we could see, you know, parts of it, I guess. But it was such a different design that, yeah, it feels like it's really dead and gone. Yeah, the only thing I think that they really got out of paper, like it was obviously never designed to like replace Facebook, but they just wanted to test some design things. So they got the instant articles, quick loading news stories out of paper. Yeah, you stay in the paper app when you're reading all this news that they're serving you. Yeah, it just flips open the story. You read it. you know, it's it takes seconds. It's it's it was super like a flipboard fast. thing, and then you swipe it back down again, and it goes away. And yeah, yeah it, was, it cool. was all it was all very gesture driven. Um, the the photos with like this parallax effect, so you could tilt to see different sections of the photo. Oh, yeah. um, that was really cool. But then Facebook got into 360 degree photos. So I feel like they were like, ah, oh, that's we don't really need this feature anymore. So yeah. I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you put the regular Facebook app back on your phone? Yes, and it's such garbage. Like, <laughs> Do you have Messenger too now? Did you install no, them both? No, I didn't install Messenger yet. I, I don't use it that often. Yeah, we but... have to just train our friends to not Facebook message us. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> that's easy. I already have all the other ones. I'm like, bye, bro. I just don't like, answer uh... them. Like, and then like a week later, I'm like, oh, crap, I didn't see this. I was going to say, this <laughs> People still try to message me on Google Hangouts, and I'm like, who are you? Like, what? <laughs> like, why? I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> I am like, seriously, just text me. You have my number. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, uh, it's a sad thing, I know, to see when an app goes, because then there's nothing you can do about it. It's run by other people. The, the resources are elsewhere, and uh, it just the plug gets pulled, and, and that's it. We have to have It'd a little... be cool if, like, so Facebook, I mean, you can post to Facebook from all over iOS, and Facebook has made that very easy, but Facebook message, messages is, like, pretty locked down. Like, I, you know, it would be cool if you could send Facebook, you know, you could Facebook message your people from, like, messages. That would be neat. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I I, uh, I so rarely reply to Facebook messages. People, I and mean, that's the thing you train people out of doing it because you just don't reply. But it's yeah. a modality. There was an article a few years ago about how people would wind up making friends or connections with people they knew through apps that had chat services. So some people exclusively wound up chatting with friends through Words with Friends chat. Oh yeah, and it was fascinating. They're like, yeah, oh, I don't use anything else. I just use Words with Friends, and that <laughs> was where the person, if they wanted to chat with somebody they knew, you know, even if they weren't playing a game, they used Words with Friends chat. It's like um, people find the thing that works for them. That's a little too uh, too niche for me. Yeah. <laughs> there would be something nice about that because I feel like the expectation would be like, I'm you might not hear back for like a day or two. And yes. that would be a nice, like, low-pressure way to chat with someone. You'd be like, yeah, you know, I'll say hi when I check in on my words. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of homey. I like it. That's right. Uh, well, moving on, I've got a few other bits of news to get through that might be fun. Uh, well, not so fun, I should say. I'm sorry. Just as sad as paper. TechServe, the venerable repair shop for Apple stuff in New York City, is closing after a run, uh, they opened in 1987. And uh, Caitlin, you're in New York City. Have you ever had to take something to TechServe? Okay, so TechServe, I tried to call them when my Apple Watch yes. was broken. And uh, like literally no one in this city repairs Apple Watches. So as I discovered um, in my my sad story. But um, I did call them. Uh, they could not help me. But I think it is sad that it's closing because, I mean – I don't really know anyone who goes to third-party repair shops anymore since, you know, the Apple store is everywhere and the Genius Bar can can help you out regardless of what's going on. Um, but Is that where Carrie Bradshaw took her Sad Mac? Exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah, the really? Sad Mac, yeah. yeah, the Sad Aww. Mac episode. I know. 
I know, it's tragic. Um, but I think it's cool and, you know, it's a little a little bit of nostalgia because, you know, Apple stores haven't really been around for all that long. Um, but I, I guess third-party repair places aren't as necessary as they once were before there was, like, anything else you could do. Yeah, Macs are less and less repairable, I think, too. I mean, there's little bits and pieces you can. Um, but, you know, when you have a Mac Mini, it's so – it's got to be expensive for them to disassemble it because it's so hard to take apart even when they get, you know, they're expert at it. Uh, and there's not that much you can replace um, on it. I mean, I've done repairs on my computers too. That's the other thing is I was able to replace the battery in a MacBook Air with help from my fix it. And I wonder if the rise of like the fact that Apple takes care of most stuff and you can get, you know, they kind of push the extended warranty on Macs. iPhones don't necessarily last that long. iPads are pretty resilient. They can't, you know, you can replace the glass in those, but those are kind of especially as lots of tiny retail sh shops, as you know, that will do that. We have a, like a dozens in Seattle you can go to to get an iPhone screen replaced. And then uh, you can do a lot of repair yourself with iFixit and uh, uh, the folks at Otherworld Computing have all these videos. And I've ordered individual parts through iFixit in the past. And, you know, I'd look at the video. I'm like, okay, I need to open this up, remove this, use a spudger, and boom, I've got a new battery, and it cost me 90 bucks for the battery and 15 bucks for tools and shipping, and I'm done, instead of going to a shop where it might cost 150 or 200 bucks. So there may just not be that much room between Apple repairs and like do-it-yourself ones that are available anymore. Yeah, they're kind of getting might, squeezed from both sides. And you might like void your warranty. I think some people would be concerned about that, it's taking true. it to a third party. There was a very interesting article, which I'll have to find for the show links, about how um, uh, many companies – Apple apparently is really good about how they say it. You don't actually void your warranty by doing your own repairs unless you damage something else in the process. Like – and it's a, a law that goes back decades, and a lot of products will say it's this product's void if you open it up, and that's actually technically not accurate. Like the warranty, oh. and it's and it, a lot of these third parties are Apple authorized resellers, right? That's like there's true. a program yeah. that's right. where you can get kind of certified. That's, yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. So TechServe, they did. A, I know a lot of people used to go there because it was, you know, it was you could get stuff done uh, that Apple wouldn't repair, also because Apple wanted to do bigger things. I'm going to mention a secret Apple Store tip, though, which I found out and then was told by some people who worked at Apple Stores it's not a secret, and other people who worked at Apple Stores that it was a secret. Here's the secret. Okay. <laughs> I like telling people this because they don't know it. I had a MacBook Air that I, I always buy for my laptops. I buy Apple Care for it <clears throat> because in, in nearly every single case, uh, I've almost never had a desktop Mac fail within three years unless it fails within the first year for some hardware flaw, right? Every laptop I've had, I've needed repairs, uh, almost every one, I think, between years, you know, the end of the first year and the end of the third year. And those repairs would often cost hundreds or, you know, a thousand bucks or more to do. So my MacBook Air, I bought a few years ago, I failed to buy Apple Care for it. I forgot to do it within the year. It, 14 months in, it dies. Like, oh, I go in the Apple store and they're like, well, they diagnosed it. Like, well, this will be like $900. And I think it cost $1,400. I don't remember. Something. I was like, oh, it's terrible. And the guy says, oh, well, you know, there's another option. I'm like, well, what is it? So, well, if we send it off for repair, it's only, I think it was $300 all in and we'll replace anything that needs to get replaced at that price. I'm like, well, that that's the one I want. I don't want to pay almost the cost of a new device. And not every Apple Store employee will remember to mention it. I don't think there's a policy against it, but they have kind of an all-in repair, but you have to send it off to an Apple Depot as opposed to what they've been pushing lately, which is in-store repair, which they can do for warranty and non-warranty stuff. So, Worth yeah. asking, if you find yourself in that situation, make sure and ask if there's an all-in option. So in AppleCare, if I'd purchased it outright, I think I would have paid $250 for that model or $300, I forget which. And instead, I paid about the same time for one repair. It lasted for the rest of the time. It lasted. Uh, it worked it for you know, over three years, and then I sold it. So happy ending. And then when they repair it, too, don't they, like, they put on a new, like, panel, uh, you know, over the, where your palms rest, if it's, like, has dings and stuff, exactly. like, you get it back, and it's, like, it's, like, brand new, right? They, re they essentially refurbished it. Not always, I think, in my case, well, in my case, there were, like, three separate things that had gone bad. They must have been interrelated, so they replaced a ton of stuff, and I got back what felt like a new machine. The battery in that one failed prematurely. That's the battery I replaced, so I had to put in $100 to replace the battery about two years in. It was losing capacity. If I'd had Apple Care and it was under 50%, I would have been able to uh, rechargeable uh, capability. I could have gone in and got them to replace the battery for free too. So a lot of people tell me I'm absurd. I don't buy warranties, extended warranties, or anything else. But for laptops, it's totally paid off for me. That's good. That's my technique. Uh, just a couple other minor things I thought we'd we'd chat about before we close out. One is uh, the a uh, lot of 
news about Apple filing or being receiving a patent for being able to block uh, like taking of pictures and videos at uh, concert venues was the kind of the patent focus. And people pointed out, well, yes, but also law enforcement could conceivably yeah, enable this at protests, <laughs> all kinds of things. That's bad. Yeah. Although I think in a, a, a cooler heads noted that companies often patent technology to prevent it from being used by competitors and then they never deploy it also. So Apple, mm. yeah, so Apple, because there's no requirement. So unlike uh, a trademark, which has to be used and, and defended, um, a patent, you can file it and then you can tell anybody who wants, you can sue people from using it and never use it yourself and you still retain total ownership. So uh, that's... You know, Amazon was excoriated for some of its patents, and to my knowledge, I think it's only enforced the one-click patent only a couple times. But it's filed a lot of patents to that it claims are when it's talked about it um, to prevent other companies from preventing it from doing things. So <laughs> Apple has many, many patents that they never put into products, and I think it's just they want the option to, and they've never sued people over. Apple sues over relatively few patents. I think it's been sued so many more times by patent trolls and other companies that are actually making products. Uh, the other one was, um, did you folks see the Verge analysis? They had that chart. I think I posted it in our Slack team of how long ports last on Macs over the entire history of the Macintosh. I heard people talking about it. I have not looked at it yet. Susie was on vacation. She had I actual was. time I'm off. still okay. catching up. It's okay. It was, uh, I have a lot of email. I'm just telling you right now. There's <laughs> three weeks 1,400 now. emails. Oh, my, oh my God. gosh. But 1,402. It was, I like this chart because it laid out it, – it was it was omitting a lot of stuff and it conflated certain kinds of things. Like SCSI was listed as one item and whatever. People had valid critiques about the article and the chart. But it did show like what's – you know, how long would the floppy drive only lasted on Macs from 1984 to 1999 on new models introduced. And I thought – this is hilarious. I never thought about it that way. I think about the floppy as being a fixture in computing, but on the Mac, it's actually been gone longer than it was in any model. Well, yeah, that was very that I liked the chart because it it really put it into perspective. Um, but yeah, that was really that was really interesting because I think of the floppy drive as like yeah, just this fixture, but it it wasn't. It's it's has not it's been because we used those Apple twos for so long. Oh man, all the schools were kept like, them. You had floppy drive was like you know the central thing. Other interesting thing is I was tweeting about this and an Apple engineer said, well, you know, the port that we removed that was in every Apple and uh, it was at least in or this that was in um, most Apple computers. Uh, uh, so I'm sorry, it was a port that was continuously in Apple models from introduction until 2012, and we no longer ship it. You know what port that is? And I'm like, I don't know. The people are answering. We're going back and forth. I'm like, is it an internal memory slot? He's like, no, it's the, the power plug in the back. So Apple no longer has any new models that it ships that – or has not shipped a new model with the old you – know, that kind of trapezoidal plug shape it goes in the back and it has a three-pronged plug out the other end. They stopped using that. And that is an, a, a standard that goes way back. And, you know, because I've got a pile of those cables from monitors and PCs and old yeah. Macs. So that is no longer a part of new models that are shipping. And, you know, you get your Mac Mini and the Mac Mini has a has a sort of flat two-hole uh, thing you plug in. And it has a two-pronged polarized uh, AC plug out the other end in America. Uh, not sure if it's the IMAX. That cable used to be removable, and now it's not. Uh, is that right? It does have an integral power cable now. I haven't used it, or does it have a thing that removes? But it's still it's not the standard kind, right? I haven't looked yeah. at an IMAX since the new models. But I thought that was funny. It's one of those subtle things. It's like it was in it was in at least one Mac model from 1984 through 2012, and then no new Mac models are being introduced with that power cable. No, you type. can still remove it. Yeah, so I think it's got like a um, flat uh, – it pushes in flush, oh, I okay. think, doesn't it? Uh, that's my recollection. But, I, again, I haven't bought a uh, an iMac for quite a while now. But Mac Mini and um, uh, it's it's good. It's, just, it's a simpler option. But it's proprietary where the other cable was generic. Um, I wrote a piece that's going up. I think it's going up uh, by the time people hear this about um, – in response to the Mark Zuckerberg photo where he had taped his um, – Oh, it's up. It's up. So you can read yep. it. Back, go backwards in time one day, folks. And uh, <laughs> But people had asked about, you know, they were talking about microphone jack, how can you move it? So I have a, a staggered thing from turning down the input level on your microphone all the way to literally removing it from <laughs> – just take it off your computer. And what's funny is I looked at the MacBook. In particular, I went to iFix, which has all these 
teardown photos. And on um, on the MacBook, the 2015 and 2016 models are really have very little circuitry. They're mostly battery and then these tiny little circuit boards. And so the audio board is like off to the side and the mics and audio input are like a separate thing. So if you don't want to have any audio input or output for whatever reason, you can just go boink and pull a connector out or you could unscrew the entire board, but it's a separate component thing. You don't have to like use a knife or soldering iron to remove it from the motherboard. Um, but some people like to do that. Um, and finally, this one last little security uh, thing. I'll probably be writing about this in the future, depending on how it comes out. There's an issue that Apple was solving a um, security weakness that we've written about before. Uh, a researcher found a couple instances where uh, apps that were signed by a developer certificate or even I think could be coming from the Mac App Store, they could launch resources inside the package that hadn't been signed so they weren't cryptographically secure. And so a malicious party could uh, intervene and insert, uh, swap out um, the component that was being launched separately. And it was a, a pathway for malware even in signed Apple so or a Mac OS software. Um, and Apple has fixed this in uh, Mac OS Sierra. But uh, Rogue Amoeba wrote up a interesting blog post about how it actually it can cause problems um, if users don't, after they download an app, if they don't remove it from the downloads folder and copy it into the applications folder, that step changes some of how the app is launched now. So if they run it from the downloads folder, which a lot of people do, apps, current apps may not work correctly. So that's something we're going to keep an eye on and see if Apple fixes it or developers develop uh, workarounds on. But one of the only things I've heard so far that's a complaint about macOS Sierra from the developer side. And I think we've covered the news. A lot of news for July. Yep. And those public betas are going to launch sometime in July. So then there will be even more news. Many discussions about things. I, you know, I've been running the betas. We've been running private betas, uh, the developer betas rather. And um, everything seems really pretty stable. They'd, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no problems. Me either. They great. dropped the flag on writing about um, Sierra, but we're still not really supposed to write about iOS 10, um, you know, according to the NDA and to stay in Apple's good graces and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, we've got a lot of iOS 10 coverage coming down the pike and Roman has been cranking out some good Sierra stuff, which will I'm sure we'll re-promote when the public beta launches and people can actually use it. So that's exciting stuff coming in July. Yeah, we'll that, that's made the summer a lot more fun in here in Appletown. <laughs> going down to Appletown. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's been that's been this episode. Well, thank you, Caitlin, for joining us. Thanks yes, for having thanks, me. Thanks, Caitlin. You're the yeah. best. And morning, no the problem. loss of paper. And uh, Susie, <laughs> great to talk to you back from your vacation. Thanks. It's so nice to be back. And, and now, <laughs> Don't lie. Now let's enjoy the, uh, Someone else is watching my kid right now, so that's a big plus. Oh, yes. <laughs> the ups and downs. That's right. It's time to take a vacation from your vacation, which is called work. It really is, yeah. Work is the vacation from vacation. Well, folks, um, I've been and remain Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and this has been the Macworld Podcast, episode 515 for July 6, 2016. You can reach us at podcast at macworld.com. Leave your comments on the post at macworld.com with this podcast. Find us on the Twitter. We're at Macworld, and you can find Susie at at SFSus, double O Z and I'm at Glenn F with two N's uh, and we'll be back next week to talk about more of the same. Thanks for listening. <laughs>